everyone. Welcome back. This is SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I am one of the hosts of SEO Success Stories. I've got Gabe with me as well, Gabrielle Grossman. G'day, Gabe. Hey, Russ. How are you doing today, mate? Hi, doing pretty well. It's a beautiful day here in Melbourne, so I'm enjoying it. Finally, spring weather. Exactly, exactly. For those that haven't tuned in before, so SEO Success Stories, basically what we do, Gabe and I, we're just massive SEO nerds. We, we love talking about SEO, slacking each other in the middle of the night. And this gives us an opportunity to talk to some really clever SEO people from brands around the world, really globally known brands. And what they're going to do is just give us a little peek under the hood and give us a bit of an understanding of, of how they create their strategies and how they've built some, some really strong, successful SEO campaigns for their businesses and for their clients. Today, we are talking to Mateen Agar. Oh, I should have cleared that up. Sorry, Mateen, how do I pronounce your surname? Uh, cool. I'm, I'm Mateen. Um, so I'm the SEO director with Forward PMX here in the MENA region. Lovely to meet you guys. And you know, thank you for inviting me for this conversation. No worries. So Mateen specifically today is going to talk about his success in building out SEO, a really successful SEO strategy for Virgin Megastore uh, in the United Arab, Arab Emirates. But he's got some really cool insights to share with us. Before we get into that, Mateen, we might just talk a bit about yourself and get a feel for how it was that you found yourself on a podcast talking SEO and, and how you stumbled into this. Now, I know you started your career in India, got an, you know, more of an engineering background, and you were looking for some different opportunities out there before you interviewed at an agency. Is that, that sounds about right? Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, it was those times, you know, the world was in recession 2009. That's when I graduated, you know, and having a bachelor's degree in information technology, a typical Indian guy would then go into coding. Uh, yep. You know, that, that's how that's how life begins for us. And it so happened that there were no opportunities out there. And then I stumbled upon, the, upon a colleague from my college days. And she said, you know what, I'm working with this fantastic company. They're doing something different than coding. I'm like, okay, let me, let me go and give an interview. And yep. that's how the whole journey started. Uh, I went, I gave an interview. At that point in time, to be honest, I did not really know what I am interviewing for because... Yep. These guys were giving me paragraphs and they were like, okay, summarize this for us. Today, obviously, when I recollect and when I think about it, uh, they were thinking if I could maybe make meta descriptions. You know, so that's how it started. And then first day of my job, then I get a SEO beginner's guide. And that, that's where it, it all began from. Excellent. Excellent. You, you've had, you know, some, some pretty big highlights over the journey, some really big sites, you know, from, from a migration from monster.com, which is a little monster of a site working on Johnson & Johnson's SEO. I just realized I skipped over a really important question, which I ask at the start of every episode, and you're probably ready for it. What do you feel is the number one biggest challenge that SEOs face in 2021? Um, I, I would actually say this is a challenge that has been around for a very long time. It's highlighting the importance of SEO to clients. You know, like forget about Google algorithms and everything. I think that's all secondary. Primary thing is how do you get your business to understand the role of SEO in your complete marketing funnel. Once you're able to do that, then things automatically progress. The clients understand the importance of SEO and that's how you go through. Uh, so the challenge here is how do you put through a narrative that will help clients understand that this is where SEO will contribute to my marketing uh, funnel. And what's your approach there in terms of being able to convince them of the importance? Like what, what would be um, some of the key things in that? To, to craft that narrative? Yes, so I, I think as a person, what I normally try and do is I, I don't try and talk the SEO language, you know, so 
it's useless to go back and say, okay, your meta tags are not correct. Your canonical tags have an issue. You have broken things. Instead, if I change this narrative and I say, you know what? You actually have 100 keywords ranking on page two, which is low-hanging fruits for you. Now, if you were able to get these to page one, you could potentially get a revenue of X dollars, which will obviously improve your site-wide ROI. That's when I, I have the client's attention and then the conversation keeps going from there on. Interesting. Really angle it from an ROI perspective and then peg back from there. Excellent. So if we could just loop back again, so I'm, I'm circling around a little bit, but uh, with those highlights. So can you tell us a bit about what happened with that monster migration? So I actually, you know, this was when I was in India and we were trying to kind of have a conversation with them. And it so happened that they were... They were getting organic traffic, but obviously they were being outranked by the likes of Nokri, which is a website in India, shine.com, et cetera, et cetera. One of the key challenges that we thought was, you know, their domain authority was slightly on a lower side. And then you had this whole, I, I, I would say, you know, everything that the meat of the website, the job listings were actually on a subdomain, which was like jobs.monsterindia.com. Now it's a very debatable topic in the SEO industry of subdomains versus subdirectory. Where do you uh, where like, do you land there? What's your I, I'm completely on subdirectories. Uh, I've actually seen the results, so I would always go for a subdirectory as opposed to a subdomain. So a lot of research went in there and contradictory, you know, blog post. Uh, some saying that okay, it's not going to make a difference. So it was it was hard convincing. It actually took over six months to convince the client that we need to move from jobs.monsterindia.com to monsterindia.com/jobs. Finally, this migration happened somewhere around in November. I, I guess it was about November 2014, 2015. I guess, and within about 45 days, we actually saw that the organic traffic doubled. You know, which was wow. like a massive thing for me. Uh, and that's one, one of the key highlights I still speak about uh, in my SEO career because, you know, that was a massive website. The whole migration took a lot of convincing, a lot of efforts, and then a lot of review to make sure everything is working perfectly fine. And the results were out there. So it was all worth the effort. What was the uh, reception like internally? So now you had, obviously, there was a big buildup in terms of trying to justify why to do it and then go through the motions of actually getting it completed. And then there's the payoff where you see the results. How did you go about sharing those results? And then, and then what was the, uh, was there some kind of celebration afterwards? You know, was there an aha moment where they said, oh, I'm going to listen to this guy. He really knows what he's doing. Yes, there was a celebration for a very short while. And then the client being the client, okay, now how could we scale up further? <laughs> celebration was short. Short-lived. That's a great story. I can tell like that would definitely be one you'd be retelling. Gabe and I've been involved in a number of uh, migrations together and 100% jump in organic traffic 45 days afterwards when you're probably setting the expectation that there's going to be a drop and then we're going to try to stabilize it. Like that's a pretty huge result. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this was one of the issues during the, the whole convincing period that we had to set a right expectation. We said, you know, you're undergoing a migration. So maybe for a month, month and a half, you will actually go down by 15, 20%. But mm. the results were completely opposite. I have been a part of different migrations. And in most of them, the website traffic has always gone down for a decent amount of time after mm. before bouncing back. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's how it was. Cool. Well, today we're here to talk about Virgin Megastore. Gabe, do you want to throw some questions? I, I know you're really keen to find out more about the work that Mateen's done for Virgin Megastore. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got some questions lined up for you. Tell me, 
the SEO situation there, what was that like when you first arrived? You know, just trying to get the lay of the land, understand what, what they've been doing historically. How did, you, how did you feel about the state of SEO when you first entered the organization? Um, so initially, you know, when we started talking to them, uh, obviously we kind of, you know, worked on a, a very top level audit. It was kind of highlighting what the challenges were, but then it was more of from an outsider perspective, you know, without really having visibility on what their tech functionality could be. Can something be done? Can something not be done? So, but if I have to kind of, you know, summarize what things were, I think when we started off, there were quite a bit of technical restrictions in terms of what could be implemented, what could not be implemented. And this is not necessarily from a technical SEO standpoint. This also some, is something that impacted the meta tag recommendations, you know, like how much of that could be automated, how much of that could be done at a bespoke level. That, that's where we kind of started from. The other bit is in terms of, you know, this being a huge e-commerce website, I think what we saw was most of the stuff done on the website was clearly template-based optimization, which me being into this market and working on different e-commerce websites, I feel that template optimization is kind of a thing of the past. It, it's good to get your hygiene right. Uh, however, if you're looking at scaling organic performance, uh, template optimization may not always work. And the third thing that I realized was they, they had very low focus on content, you know, given the whole competitiveness in e-commerce. And especially when I talk about MENA as a market, very specifically Dubai, post-COVID, we were already booming in terms of e-commerce and COVID kind of obviously accelerated it for everyone, but Dubai, it was maybe one step ahead. So there's so much competition, so many different websites trying to sell the same products. So content played a very important role on how you could basically try and outrank the competition. Of course, I mean, it's not the only thing, uh, but it, it kind of became a very important aspect and you had to be there to do it. Could I ask a clarifying question just around, sorry, Gabe, if I've jumped in. When you say templated SEO is a thing of the past, what specifically do you mean? Uh, so when I say templated SEO, it's basically, you know, when you have your page titles in your meta description, it was more about, you know, shop category name online in UAE and then the brand name. Okay. Uh, that's and, and the same thing with meta description. Uh, it might sound funny on certain category names. For example, uh, you know, your category name just could be a single word and in the template, it may just not make complete sense. Gotcha. I guess my next question was going to be um, just on the content side of things, right? So operating a really large e-commerce store, I think one of the issues you touched upon is that you're selling products that other e-commerce sites are essentially selling. They're not unique to your business necessarily. So with that, you said that content played a role in terms of distinguishing your website. What was your strategy? What was your approach to utilizing content to kind of get ahead of the competition? Uh, good question, actually. So essentially now, uh, if you look at uh, Virgin Megastore as a business, you know, like it's important to kind of have a bit of history about them. Uh, so they kind of primarily started into music and then they transitioned into other categories. So very top level, they, they're majorly into music. Uh, they are into tech related stuff and they're into lifestyle. Now, within this region, if you look at it from a search volume perspective, there's a lot of searches that happen around tech. What we had to do is we had to identify how people are generally searching for, whether people would be people are searching for like iPhone 11 or iPhone 12, uh, are they searching for like buy iPhone 12, etc. A unique thing in this market is people actually search for 
long tail queries. So they will actually search for iPhone price in UAE, uh, iPhone 11, iPhone 12 price in UAE, Dubai, so on, so for these combination of keywords. Now, this is where you would see the websites, similar competitor websites, like the likes of Virgin that would maybe appear on the first page. So the whole content strategy was around how we could try and tap onto these long tail keywords as opposed to only focusing on buy iPhone or buy iPhone online related terms. This coupled with, uh, you know, maybe information in a tabular format, etc., is something that really helped us kind of start getting onto page one. Okay, great. Um, that takes me to my next question. What are your thoughts on international agencies trying to deliver SEO in countries outside of their homeland? So in particular, if you're thinking about like the local nuances, um, are there any in the UAE as an example that outsiders wouldn't know about? Or is there any like search query differences between English speakers in India and the UAE that you have to consider when putting together an international SEO strategy? So out here, I hope I'm not getting any competition from you. <laughs> not at all. No, no, no. Okay, cool. Uh, so I, I think uh, in terms of market nuances, I think the first thing that I would put forward is language capabilities. Uh, you know, given this market, the first thing is you also have Arabic speakers in this market. So when we talk about optimization, Arabic has to be taken into consideration. That That's the first thing. Now, within Arabic, I, I shy away from calling it translation because, you know, translation is you would try to just convert it. Uh, but it's more about localization because within Arabic, there are different dialects. The way someone in Saudi would speak Arabic would be different than how someone would be speaking from an Egyptian background example. Uh, so there are different dialects of Arabic. So when we talk about an international agency, they would probably not know about these things, uh, which we in this market to have an understanding of. So that, that's how, that's where it would start from. Uh, now, if I have to kind of keep Arabic on the side, the second bit would be around how people search. So, so like I was speaking before this on how people would typically look for buying a mobile phone here is when I was working in the Indian market, people would actually, the, the highest search volume queries would be buy iPhone 10, iPhone X uh, online. These were the combination. But here it's more about price related keywords. So iPhone price in UAE, iPhone X price in UAE. And this is where you would actually see e-com players coming up. So these would be like the two things. And of course, then, you know, when you think from a content marketing perspective, I think, you know, having establishing a relationship with local publishers, that's an that's edge that we would get uh, over an external agency. I'm not saying it's not possible, uh, but it, because you're in the market, you know, it's obviously easier. And of course, uh, I think one important aspect for SEO is also, you know, your relationship with the client. And so when you get to meet face to face, of course, COVID changed this a lot. Uh, however, still there are elements of when you can meet your client, when you can actually explain them in person, that makes a larger impact as opposed to, you know, just having it over a phone. Brilliant. What kind of resources did Virgin Megastore have both internally and externally in regards to agency contractors? So no need to name specific partners, of course, but um, just interested in terms of whether you had arrangements with, with external contractors and agencies? Uh, yep. So we actually had that. So in, in terms of the whole project, there were three parties involved. One was obviously Virgin Megastore themselves, uh, wherein it was a marketing team. Within the marketing team, they did have a subset of people who would be able to make slight changes on the website. Then we had the agency partner that was managing the whole website. 
So these guys would be primarily responsible for any technical changes on the website. Now that could be from fixing broken links to kind of making sure that the template is optimized or maybe it's implemented on the website. And the third partner was obviously ourselves, uh, Howard PMX, uh, who were kind of managing the SEO side of things for them to make sure that we're able to scale our traffic. Just to, to tack on to that question as well, and did you have to work with their development team or with an external development agency as well, or did you guys look after that yourselves? Uh, I, I think one thing that uh, you know we really do as SEOs is we kind of avoid including the client. I mean, they're obviously involved in conversations, but when yeah. it comes to dealing with the tech partners, we try and do it by ourselves because then it's, it's like a game of Chinese whisper, right? I mean, you're going to say something to the client they may or may not understand. Most of them do not understand because of the technicalities. And then the end message and result would not always be clear. So what we would do is, you know, we would directly deal with the tech team, keeping the client in book. So they have visibility on what we are asking them to do, what the timelines look like, et cetera. But it was more of a direct uh, coordination. And it actually saves a lot of time. So when you started with Virgin Megastore in, in that first 90 days, what were the actions which moved the needle the most? Was there, I mean, in your audit, you probably uncovered a, you know, a few things low-hanging fruit-wise, but yeah, talk to us. What, what were the real key actions early on? Uh, so I think once we got on board, you know, the first things first were understanding the business priority, right? So of course, we, they, they did have three categories, which is like tech, lifestyle, and music. Uh, what we tried to understand from them is what is business important to them because it was important that we align our objectives with what the business objectives are. So that's where we started from. We also got a sense that getting the tech implemented uh, may stand out to be a challenge. That said, we still went ahead and did a detailed tech audit. But what we did is we sent it over to them, explained everything, explained why this is important, and we left it there. Uh, because if we, if we would have continued to invest more time there, we may not have got the outcome that we were expecting. The third step, which actually moved the needle for us, was we, we identified opportunities that we could really work on. Like I mentioned, you know, there was some technical restric restriction in terms of what could essentially get implemented. Uh, we identified pages that we could actually play around with. Uh, so within the whole CMS system, there were certain pages that the brand actually had direct control to. We started working on these pages. The good part was we, this part was completely flexible, you know, so right from anything to do with metadata to uh, content, we were able to kind of do everything. So if I could take an example, uh, you know, like gaming laptops, you know, now gaming laptops is like a high AOV uh, product. What the advantage is we had a specific landing page for this outside of the actual CMS where we could do anything we wanted. So we kind of started generating long form content. Uh, we kind of created a hub and spoke model. So like from a main gaming laptop page, linking to other uh, laptop pages and vice versa. And that kind of gave us a momentum and we actually got bumped onto page one for gaming laptops. You know, that was kind of a win strategy for us. Once this happened, the client realized that, okay, things are moving and we need to kind of do more of these. And then automatically there was more pressure from the client to now kind of get the tech fixes also solved. So instead of, you know, really banging our head on a tech audit that we had done, we actually took a slightly different route, gave them an example of how success looks like, and then kind of pushed the tech thing to happen. So it took a few months to go through, uh, but we were finally able to kind of get there. And what did the planning process look like? Like how far in advance 
did you do some forecasting for them and what was the buy-in like for management? Uh, so we, we did have an initial forecast in place, uh, but like I said, you know, the initial forecast was when we were talking to them based on the top level audit etc etc but once we got on board and we understood what the challenges were we did kind of relook at a forecast uh, but now it was slightly changed now instead of just saying that this is where we we could possibly get we kind of gave them scenarios that given what we can do in the current state this is where we can reach and if these issues are solved for us then we can actually reach at a much higher state. The organic traffic, the organic revenue could be at a much higher level. And that's how the whole forecasting conversation started. And we were able to kind of convince them that this is important. And, and at the moment, we're actually the, the high, highest ROI channel for them. I mean, of course, organic is always, uh, but from where we started to from where we are, we're actually contributing much more. Amazing. I've got to ask then. So where is the side now from an SEO perspective? Uh, so from an SEO standpoint now, actually we are in a much better space. I, I could say it depends how you look at it. That's an SEO answer. Yeah. Uh, however, now we are in a position where we can actually make a lot of changes on the website. You know, So my framework is there. My backbone is in place now. It's more about how much efforts we can actually now start putting in from a content standpoint, uh, from a content marketing standpoint. So once we re- Initially, that was slowing us down. Now we actually have the playing field. So now what we do is we typically identify areas that they want to focus on and and then we go behind it. So we we basically take a very focused approach, one category, two category at a time, make that happen and then move on to the next one. And of course, there's a lot of planning going on. So it's actually going to be peak period in in the MENA region now because it, the weather is going to change. I mean, not that it really impacts uh, an e-commerce business, but it's it's when people from outside actually visit Dubai. So sales and everything like literally go up and then we have the likes of, you know, white Wednesdays, et cetera, coming up. Uh, so we're kind of ramping up our efforts to make sure that we're able to kind of touch upon this. And of course, not to forget the new iPhone launch. So it's like an iPhone 13, uh, it's going to be like iWatch 7, so on and so forth. So we're kind of focusing on the major wins that are on our way now. Gotcha. Sorry, Gab, I know you did want to ask that question about where it's like that. You stole my thunder there, Ross. <laughs> I, I, was actually, I was actually just meaning to ask, I guess a lot of agency SEOs probably when they think about what it's like working for an in-house organization, they probably think, you know what? man, I'd just be scrambling for ideas after a certain point. I almost wouldn't know where to take it. But it sounds like from listening to you, Mateen, that there's always a lot going on and you're probably never really having to scratch around for what the next big initiative looks like. There's, there's always plenty to do. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. I think and that, that kind of you know helps you understand what you need to do next. You know, One of the key things that we also try and look for is uh, the client's marketing calendar. Uh, it really helps us, you know, be ready from maybe, maybe like SEO is not overnight, right? It's not that you will let me know a week in advance and I'll be able to rank you. So we kind of have this access to their marketing calendars and then we pre-plan on how we want to tackle different events that they would be looking at. Yeah, that's really smart. And probably how long do you think you, you'd need to plan in advance? So would you would you say two months or three months? What does your planning process look like from a timing perspective? If I were to talk about Virgin Megastore specifically, I, I would say about 20 odd days to a month 
uh, but it completely depends on which client I'm working with. So given that we already work with different clients, uh, we have a sense of how much time their tech would actually take to turn around things like page creation, content uploads, etc. And of course, keeping in mind how much time we would take to create the content, to localize it in Arabic, etc. Uh, based on that, we kind of have a different number for different clients that we manage. All right. So just on Virgin Megastore then, what do, you, what do you see as being key to the future roadmap for them for, in terms of SEO growth? Uh, so I think, again, from a business standpoint, you know, tech actually has a lot of searches, but in general, it is an area of low margin. So when we talk about future roadmap for, for Virgin Megastore, I think we are moving towards a high focus on music and lifestyle products. So identifying among these categories, what is being searched highly for and what is high margin for the client and trying to optimize those specific categories as opposed to only looking at volumes. So maybe we, we already did the volume game, we proved a point and now it's important that we also look at high margin, high OE, not really high AOE, but high margin products that the client could really benefit from. If I were to now change this language to SEO, I think the framework is there. It's it's more about more of competition analysis, identifying, you know, who's ranking there. Are they like beating us on content? Uh, is it maybe backlinks or it could be any other thing that, that may have a direct impact. And we're trying to like fix them one thing at a time. So outside of a Virgin Megastore or even including Virgin Megastore, can you think of an example that you tried like a new or an innovative tactic and it just unexpectedly drew great results? Anything that sort of comes to mind? Yeah, I think definitely. Yes. So back in 2018, again, in the same same market, which is Dubai, I was working on another uh, electronics e-commerce website. And like everyone has heard about featured snippets, right? And the kind of impact it has. So we were again optimizing this particular website for iPhone-related keywords. And we what we saw is there was a SERP change. When you would search for iPhone X price in Dubai or in UAE, you would actually get the result along with a featured snippet. A table table would actually appear with different prices. Now, comparing our website with competition, we had everything like to like. The meta tags were optimized, the backlinks were good, there was content present. But what was actually missing is the other website had a table with all the pricing mentioned. It was not really naive, but we thought maybe let's give it a shot. Let's have this table and see how it really works for us. And we added the table and we got into the featured snippet. The amazing part was, you know, we were ranking at position two and or position three. It was like a fluctuating thing. My CTRs were hovering around six, 7%. The moment I got my featured snippet, it, it went as high as 18%. You know, so that was like a massive win. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So What's your, what would you say your favorite non-obvious software tools that you use every day, whether it be to research or to execute something that in your toolkit that's not so obvious? I, I think, you know, content is kind of an underdog in most cases, I would say, not always. Uh, so I kind of also look at, you know, tools like Answer the Public and also Ask. It kind of gives you variations of keywords are not necessarily just a keyword, but questions that people are asking around those. Uh, so when we're talking about content generation, it's a thing that really comes in handy. Cool. Mateen, thanks so much for your, for your time today. Now, Gabe is going to fire some questions at you really quick via Vox Pop style that we ask our guests every episode. So Gabe, I'll, I'll throw to you. 
This is my favorite part of the show, Mateen. So we're not, we like to keep this short and sharp and you just basically say the first thing that enters your head. Don't try and overthink it. Uh, and we're just gonna go rapid fire. All right, you ready? Yep. Let's do it. Okay, which previous Google algorithm change still keeps you up at night? This was actually a core, core algorithm change, uh, majorly to do with EAT. And I was managing a medical website and my traffic tank from 16,000 to less than 500. That, that was bad. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Okay, that's rough. <laughs> Gun to your head, which do you prefer, content or links? Content. I had a feeling you might say that. Uh, what's the most effective link building technique that you've used? I would say content marketing. So we are, we are articles or blogs that are published, uh, not necessarily guest blogs, but actual good websites which you find through outreach. Awesome. A little bit similar question. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Mm, yes and no. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yeah. What do you love most about SEO? Uh, the fact that no two websites can be optimized in the same manner. You know, having the opportunity to actually work on the same domain for two different clients at times, maybe not always. Something that's working for client one may not necessarily work for client two. It's more, it's, it's a always, uh, always on research thingy. So, you know, that it's not something that makes your job redundant. All right. Next question. This is a bit of a, an out there question. Uh, Russ must've come up with this one. How do you, <laughs> how do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? By asking the what's and how, <laughs> what, what just happened and how did this happen? That's, that's, that's a good. really good answer. <laughs> Work from home life or office life or hybrid life? Work from home. Work from home. I guess us SEOs are quite introverts, aren't we? I think we like our own space. Yeah, I, I think SEOs are typically introvert guys, right? Uh, so the lockdown did not really impact me negatively. I mean, for me, I was like, okay, I'm just doing my job. It's all good. I think the SEO team is probably the quietest team, but impressive. Just between you and I. Uh, an agency or in-house or combo? Uh, agency. Yep, I, I think it always goes like, you know, when you are an in-house team, you, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm, I've been on the agency side for like 11 years now. Uh, I've worked with people who also come from the client side. I think the major difference that really stands out is, you know, you're working on one domain, so you don't really have exposure to what's happening in something else. And then you have to kind of keep learning, etc. Plus the fact that when you are in, in an agency, you're actually working with people at different levels. So even though, uh, you know, I may be someone who's slightly senior, uh, that does not mean that I know it all. A junior will actually come up with a better idea that I may not have otherwise thought of. And SEO is, you know, sometimes you kind of get redundant of while, while thinking, you know, so maybe when there's a new brain that comes in with a new idea, that's really a change. So that, that's my reason. That's, uh, that sounds very fair. Mateen, thank you so much for, for joining SEO Success Stories today. We've had, you know, a range of guests and we've had some, you know, more on the sort of, the last couple we've had have been much more sort of content background. And for yourself, coming from a technical background, really interesting perspective, but interesting that you, you still prefer content, good content wins. And it was just interesting to hear where, you know, people starting at different places, but really overlapping of where successful SEO lives. So thank you for joining the podcast today. It was my pleasure joining and it was like good having this chat. I am looking forward to more as well. Excellent. Excellent. So that's been SEO success stories. We've had Mateen talking about Virgin Megastore. If you guys have enjoyed this listen today, please do jump on, hit us up with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, Google 
Pocket Casts, Stitcher, tell your mum, tell your nan. Just just get it out there. If you'd like to get in touch with my team, maybe just hit him up on LinkedIn. If you'd like to get in touch with Gabe or myself, just search for our names on LinkedIn. We'll have links in the liner notes of the show. But otherwise, my team, thanks for, for being here. And Gabe, as always, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, my team. Appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, man. Have a great day, Gabe. Thanks.